Well, disappointing numbers coming out of the US on Friday. Retail sales have slowed, consumer sentiment is down, and inflation expectations are rising. And yet, stocks also rising. Buying the dip, perhaps? Uh, We'll look at what's happening with stocks, currencies, and bond yields, of course, and how quickly will economies bounce back? Will the economic rebound really happen that quickly? We've got the president of the IBM telling the BBC that it could take two years before the shortage of computer chips is resolved, for example. And how is China doing? We've got a chunk of economic data from there today and will they have any joy curtailing the price of iron ore which has fallen quite a bit over the last week it's monday the 17th of may 2021 it's the morning call from nab good morning well, U.S. stocks added to the gains from Thursday at the end of the week, another 2.3% added to the Nasdaq on Friday, 1.5% on the S&P 500 and 1% for the Dow. Even with the gains on the last two days of the week, that still wasn't enough to make up for the inflation fear-induced losses that we saw in the first half of the week last week. Bond yields uh, were generally down on Friday. Ten-year Treasury yields lost three basis points, down to 1.63%, having been up over 1.7% in the middle of the week, but 1.63% is pretty much the middle line of where it's been since mid-March. UK 10-year gilts fell four basis points on Friday, down to 0.85%, but it's still up around levels that it's not been, basically, for two years. And the US dollar lost another half percent on Friday. The DXY index now down, more or less wiping out the gains earlier in the week, and down over 3% since early April. Uh, That fall helped the Aussie gain half percent on Friday, up above 77.7 US cents. The euro also up half percent. The pound just a third of 1% up. An oil climbing quickly, Brent up 2.5% on Friday, up to 68.71. But again, that's just recovering the losses from earlier in the week. And big falls in oil, iron ore too. We'll, uh, we'll look at that today. So Rodrigo Cotrill is here today, senior FX strategist at NAB in Sydney. So this bounce back. I mean, it's, it's brushing aside the, the surprise of uh, those CPI numbers that we saw uh, last week. Uh, and it's happening despite Friday's US retail sales, which weren't any higher in April than they were in March, which was a bit of a surprise. Where's the bounce back? Um, morning, Field. Yes, um, we, we've seen, you know, as you say, equity markets perform really well on Friday uh, against a backdrop of soft um, US data releases, which it was all about the consumer. Uh, you know, the consumer is is not consuming as much. Uh, sentiment is also weakened. And uh, the inflation expectations from the consumer is also recent. So it's all like not, not really telling us a good story for, for the consumer. But but of course, um, the the reaction by the market, and not not just the equity market, but also the the sort of really calm reaction in in the bond market, um, is kind of playing to the view that uh, the market is sort of coming around to the idea of what the Fed message has been, in the sense that you know there's nothing to see here. You, you should expect volatility in in the data, and, and therefore um, not not to worry too much because. Um, it's all part of, you know, the base effects and, and, and supply chain effects and, and everything is going to be fine once we get through the other end. Um, from a theoretical sort of economic argument, there's, there's a big sort of debate that is getting louder and louder because um, in theory, it's all about anchoring inflation expectations. And of course, what we've seen uh, on Friday is that inflation expectations have jumped up significantly yeah. in the US, not only in terms of, you know, sort of the near-term inflation expectations when you think about you know, the one year inflation expectation is now 4.6%. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty, pretty big. It is. And when you think about the five to 10 year, it's now recent from 2.7 to 3.1. So, you know, what is anchoring inflation uh, at what level? I mean, uh, that it continues to rise. So, 
Um, but the counter argument to that is that this is all to do with this, you know, um, short term effects. Uh, and therefore, we shouldn't be worried too much that they, these numbers should decline as we get towards the end of the year. And then, of course, uh, we, we're not going to resolve the debate until we get to the end of the year and see if it really happens. Yeah, but those retail numbers were down, weren't they? Quite a So if we take out car sales from it and, you know, and car sales are going to suffer because of the uh, the shortage of microchips. So they can't make enough anyway, even if the demand was there. Uh, but retail taking out car sales was actually down, wasn't it? 0.8%. We were expecting, you know, things to be bouncing back by now. It's true, but uh, the, the number was pretty punchy in, in, in March. So the, the expectation yeah. was that a bit of a payback, uh, if you like, was likely. And, and even the, when you look at the dispersion of, of economists, when they, they put out the numbers, there, were, there was quite a wide dispersion there, uh, pointing to, to the fact that there was a lot of doubts about how, um, you know, whether there would be a bounce or not. And, and you know, people sort of, uh, you know, spend very quickly when you have the cash. And then now, now you kind of mellow out a bit. And then the expectations are that as you reopen the economy, which it is the plan in the US, uh, that you will start to see an increase in, in spending again as well. So this, the fact that you know shares have bounced back so much the second half of the week, then you think that is just because people started thinking, what was it the Fed was saying again? And they've gone to revisit that. Or is there a bit of, uh, there have to be a bit of buying the dip as well in this. There'd be, there'd be a few bargain hunters in this, wouldn't there? Oh, certainly. I mean, basically the, the punch ball is not going away and the music will keep playing. So... From a risk perspective, you have this backdrop where you know the, the fiscal side is spending money and you also have sort of an implicit guarantee from the Fed saying we, we're just going to keep the stimulatory measures for, you know, as long as we think is necessary. And, and right now is not even the time to discuss removing them. So um, that that positive backdrop plays to the view that, you know, this is, is risk positive and, and, and plays to the idea of buying the dip. And, and if anything, it reinforces the idea of buying the dip because this is what we've seen since, you know, since the recovery uh, from the lows from March last year. Every time you see a big drop, boom, we see this buyback mm. um, uh, intensity come back. So but for now, the, the, the policy <laughs> backdrop is still very supportive. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me about bond yields then, because the movement is happening, isn't it, 10 years and later. So 10-year yields up 70 basis points uh, or more this year, actually, from 0.93% to 1.63%. Of course, yeah. it was up to 1.7% uh, last week, whereas two years are up just five basis points. So we've got a much steeper yield curve than we kicked the year off with. So what does that tell us about the inflation expectations story? Well, uh, I suppose that that's the kind of the interesting thing, because if you just look at the 10-year rate, it's sort of been in this range trade. It's, it's, and, you know, sure, we, we got to close to 170, but now we ended the week a bit lower. Lower. Mm. Um, so in that sense that the market is sort of, you, you need to decompose the number. And when you look at the inflation expectations component, that's the one that is kind of playing to your view that we've seen this constant and increasing rise in inflation expectations. And at the moment, uh, the 10 year inflation expectations are 2.53. Um, but further out in the 30 years also recent. So if the market is basically got the steepening of the curve, which is really a largely a function of these rising inflation expectations uh, over the coming years. Um, whilst at the same time, uh, the real component, which in theory is trying to price the expectations of growth over the, the medium term or the, the long term, if you like, over the 10 year, that one is, is, is remain pretty subdued. So we've seen mostly a, a rising inflation expectations that is, is, is steepening the curve. Whilst at the moment, uh, that expectations of growth over the medium term it have remained very subdued. 
Now, iron ore prices, uh, they are coming down, although uh, you wouldn't know that looking at how well the Aussie dollar is uh, doing or how it was towards the end of last week anyway. But the Chinese Premier is trying to control prices. They're trying to curb steel production. It's a bit of a balancing act for them, isn't it? Because they don't want to curb it too much because they want to see an economic recovery happening as well. Are they going to be successful in their endeavours to get iron ore prices down? Um, well, I suppose it's a great question. I mean, what what we also need to put into perspective is that to some extent, it's actually a healthy move. And, and, and um, you know, the Aussie dollar doesn't follow iron ore when it jumps significantly, you know, as we saw it going all the way to $230. It is supportive for the Aussie dollar. It is supportive for the Australian economy in many respects in terms of, you know, dividends and royalties, of course, for the government. Um, but you don't want to see, you know, skyrocketing prices, which will create a lot of instability. So, a ease in the prices towards you know more sort of reasonable levels is actually good news because it means that their elevated prices can last for longer and, mm. and that again is good news uh, from a stability perspective but also good news for the Aussie dollar over the long run so when you look at the chart I know prices have been sort of stable or had been from November till you know March this year around 150 dollars which is still massive 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 prices for for miners so if we see them come down a little bit uh, cl- close to that 150 level, um, it's actually good news because it means that you're okay. Well, we can expect the stability in, in prices and, and for, you know, uh, officials in, in China not to be too worried about it. But above $200 is problematic uh, and, and it's probably not a bad move to, to try to cool it down a bit. And uh, what about the Chinese economy then? Is that cooling down any? We get the uh, April activity readings out today. Retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investment, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, and in the United States as well, the Empire State Manufacturing Index, uh, which is expected to have fallen a little, isn't it? It's a fairly quiet day today, it has to be said. Fairly quiet day. I mean, the, the China data will be very important. Um, um, the, the numbers are expected to ease a little bit. Again, those base effects playing a big role. So it will be interesting to decompose the numbers and see in particular, uh, for one, the investment side, uh, whether it's remained, you know, the fixed asset remains buoyant. And of course, the consumer is, is very important as well, because we if anything, the recovery in China has been sort of the, the industrial manufacturing side that, that has kind of led the recovery and the consumer is, is continued to lag and slowly improving, but not, not enough yet. Uh, so that will be interesting as well. Now, in the height of the pandemic, we were spending a lot of time, weren't we, looking at uh, looking at infection numbers and fatality rates and the, imp- you know, trying to predict what that was going to mean for the for the economies. We haven't done that so much. And yeah, I think these are still important numbers, aren't they? Because there is an equation as to, you know, how many people are being hospitalized, how many serious cases you've got versus the vaccine rate versus how quickly you come out of lockdown. So if you look at the UK, which has been slow to come out of lockdown, but very quick to vaccinate people, they've got a, you know, the number of fatalities on uh, on Sunday yesterday was just four, a seven day average of 11. If you look at the United States where there's been... Uh, you know, vaccine rush, but uh, less in the way of lockdowns. They they still have around 600 or 700 fatalities a day. So these are numbers still worth looking at, aren't they? When you're trying to gauge how quickly the recovery, economic recovery is going to be around the world. Yes. And, and if anything, there are important lessons when you look around the world, like in emerging markets, Chile had a, a very, very fast vaccination rate. But again, yep. they opened very quickly and, and they're struggling with uh, containing the virus there. And, and even in Asia, the successful countries, um, you know, Singapore and Hong Kong now have reintroduced, um, uh, you know, lockdown measures in order to control this. So, so the lesson there is that 
really, if you want to reopen, you need to make sure you have elevated levels of vaccination. And this includes two vaccines per individual rather than, you know, one, one for the whole population, because that we know is not, it's not good enough. You need to have to have the two vaccines. So there's a risk there for, for the US, certainly. Um, and of course, for other parts in Europe, France is also looking maybe to open up a little bit too quickly at, at this stage. So that needs to be watched carefully as well. Yeah. All right. Now, later on this week, the big news uh, locally is going to be the retail sales numbers for Australia. Are they bouncing back? Local uh, uh, wage price index as well. The labour market data as well. Uh, So the wage price index is going to be another inflation flag, isn't it? Plus, we get the RBA's minutes out tomorrow, too. Yes. If anything, the the labour market data is is the one to focus on. Um, Wages, uh, our economists don't expect to see a rebound yet in Q1. So, that's, of course, very important for, for monetary policy. The RBA has made it very clear that they want to see inflation rise, but also wages increase, wages growth. And that is not going to happen uh, if we're right in, in Q1. We're going to have to wait another couple of quarters to see meaningful rise there. And, of course, the, the labor market. Uh, remember, there was all about the JobKeeper ending mm. and that March data wasn't going to be sort of soon enough to capture that, that impact. Now we're going to have this data and, and there's a general sense there that the labor market has been able to absorb all those changes. Um, and, and indeed, our economists expect a, a decent number of job growth in uh, 40,000 on Thursday. So that will certainly be very, very important. All right. Excellent. Thank you for your time. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Rodrigo. Thanks, Phil. Talk soon. Cheers. And that's Monday morning's morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.